is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And I have got a another great interview for you. Today we'll be talking with Harley Magden from Window Nation. Now Window Nation is one of the largest home improvement companies in the country. In fact, they're number 11 on the Qualified Remodeler Top 500 list. Harley and his brother Aaron have created an incredible business. And uh, we talk quite a bit about how they started and how they built it up and what are the principles that have built their business. Now, these guys have nine locations. They have 90 sales reps. I don't want you to get lost in those big numbers. There is a lot of really good information for anybody of any size company here, whether you're under a million dollars, over a million, at 10 million, doesn't matter. There's a lot of really good stuff here. Harley is one of the smartest guys I've ever met in this business. In fact, in any entrepreneur I've ever met. And we have a really great conversation. Um, he doesn't do a lot of these things, a lot of interviewings. He's a client, so I twisted his arm a little bit into doing this. But the information that he gives is really fantastic, so I hope you enjoy it. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. There's a lot of great stuff happening, coming down the pike, and I don't want you to miss anything. So if you go into iTunes and just hit subscribe, you'll make sure and get every episode as they come available. Also, if you can do me a small favor, leave a review. If you're enjoying the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, let us know how we're doing. Go and leave a review at iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. And of course, if there's any way that we can help you grow your business, get better quality leads, close more sales, and make more money in your home improvement business, just reach out to us. You'll find us at www.gfourmarketing.com, g4marketing.com. So let's get to it. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and I'm really excited to bring you Harley Magden from Window Nation. Harley, thank you for being with us. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, Brian. Cool. So, Harley, I um, before we, we jump into this, I kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about your background, how you and your brother got into the business, how you started Window Nation, and uh, kind of where you're at today. So if you wouldn't mind, kind of give us the quick version of how you and Aaron got into the business and where Window Nation is today. Yeah, sure. So I've been in the business for about 25 years, grew up in the industry, working with my father back in the day in Cleveland, Ohio. He was uh, running or owned and started a successful replacement window contractor in Cleveland and did residential window replacement in the northeastern Ohio area. 
and kind of grew up in the business. Uh, although I went to college and, and uh, I worked with my father as long as, as well as my brother for, you know, 30 to you know, 25 to 30 hours a week. And um, then after I graduated, I ended up uh, working full time. So grew up in the business, working for a company called Regency Windows in Cleveland and worked there until my father ended up selling the business because he wanted to retire back in uh, the mid 2000s. So once that occurred, um, and at that point, we were the largest replacement window contractor in Northeastern Ohio, doing and then about, uh, I'm gonna call like 18 to $20 million in that market. And after that happened, my brother and I decided to take a little time off and try to weigh the different options and determine what we wanted to do. So we had a non-compete, so we had a two-year non-compete, and we decided that we were gonna stick in the industry. We, we knew the business. Uh, we had to learn a lot from our father and our grandfather. And uh, looking around, we looked at all the areas close to Cleveland and settled upon the D.C. Baltimore area, primarily because it wasn't too far from Cleveland. We had a lot of friends and family still there in Cleveland. It was, you know, five and a half hours away. But uh, the economy was strong, a lot of government employees, so we knew it was stable. Housing environment was really strong. And uh, so in 2006, we, we, opened, uh, we opened Window Nation. And um, here we are today. Tell me a little bit about today. How many offices? Yes, yeah, so today um, we are in five markets with nine offices. We're in uh, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. Awesome. How many salespeople? We currently have about 80 salespeople. It fluctuates between 75 and 90 right now based on those five locations. Great. So let me ask you, what What's kind of the number one thing? What's what's the most important thing you would say you learned about business from your father? That we have to keep a close eye on the competition. It's important not, never to just be content with how well you're doing um, because somebody's always out there trying to be better than you. And it's important to keep a close eye on what the competitors are doing. Interesting. So um, you guys started, you and Aaron started Window Nation in, in what year? We started in 2016, August 2016, so about 11 years ago. About 11 years ago, wow. And uh, you've had some pretty uh, massive growth, <laughs> um, to say the least, in a relatively short period of, of time. Is there any one or two things that you think attribute to that? Well, it's really just hard work, not being content, mm -hmm. and finding the right people to help you grow the business. It's hard to grow a business without bringing the right people on, trusting the people, and training them the way that you want things to be done. And we think we've done that really well. And the first few years of business, we didn't realize that. We tried to do everything ourselves. And quite frankly, you know, you have to spend money to make money. And we basically made some investments in people. And doing that has allowed us to grow. When doing that in our previous life, you know, pretty much it was my father, myself, my brother. You know, it was, we really didn't trust many people outside. And um, we worked a lot of hours. We did well. But we weren't able to grow past, you know, northeastern Ohio. So I know that... I mean, you're you're I think one of the best marketers that I've seen in this in this business. What is kind of your philosophy, if you will, 
about marketing and lead generation? How do you kind of approach that? Well, you just got to keep a close eye to make sure you clearly understand what's working, what's not working, what works together, and knowing that things, you know, collectively work together and, and you can't necessarily rule that out, but you also have to make sure that the costs are in line. It's all about return on investment. We look at marketing as return on investment. We're investing money just like you'd invest it anywhere else, the stock market, real estate, whatever, and you're expecting a certain return. And it's important to keep the eye on that and knowing that, you know, doing that and basically being able to handle the leads as well, because a lot of people might be able to get the leads, but they have to be able to handle them because the worst thing you can do is get get leads and then not be able to convert them and not being able to you know, run them quickly. So it's a combination of things. You can't have one without the other, but it's a return on investment. It's that's that simple as that. But as far as when you're writing ads, when you're putting ads together, is there any type of formula maybe that you use or and I'm talking more I think at the beginning rather than today because I think today it's it's a pretty um, well-oiled machine but more at the beginning was there anything that you were that was kind of a formula for you no not really it's trial and error it's you know looking what other people do not only in our industry but in other industries and other markets and testing I mean a lot of things fail and that's actually valuable information because we know not to do that again. Yeah, I think that's really important to everybody that's listening. I mean, he, what he just said is, is supremely important. It's all about testing. People ask me all the time, well, they show me ads or they'll say, well, what about this idea or what about this idea? And, and they expect me to come back with, yes, that's going to work or no, that's not going to work. And it's not that simple. There are certain elements that go into effective marketing. And if it has those effective elements, then the next thing to do is go test it and see if it if it does work. So that's that's really great advice. On the on the sales side, I know that Aaron is in charge of of sales. You guys probably started when you started the business. You probably started off right away with putting salespeople out on the road rather than you guys running those leads. Is is that true? No, not really. Um, my brother and I, we ran the leads, and you know what we did was we 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 wanted to test. You know, it was a new market. And we wanted to see for ourselves exactly you know what we what people would be running into, and cater the, the the training program to the market specifically. And we ran a lot of leads ourselves. And then after the first six months, maybe then we started hiring and training and and building on that. But it, it took a little bit of time. I mean, leads were expensive. We you know when you start opening a business, you know, leads could be a thousand dollars, it could be two thousand dollars. So, making sure that we are fully aware of the the cost and know that if we didn't make this sale, that it was a hundred percent on us. So, first six months, I would say it was actually my brother and I, mainly my brother, running a lot of the leads or most of the leads. And and then after that, once it slowed down, we we sat down and and started to put a game plan together and hiring people. And and we did that. And we had a lot of turnover, a lot of turnover initially. Um, and, but we worked through it, and it, it took a couple of years. It wasn't an overnight situation. Besides, you know, building a, a sales team, you're you're also building a process, and and, and you're learning because it was a new market for us. Uh, Maryland is a lot different you know, than than Cleveland. Cleveland's a blue collar town, and you know, you know Maryland D.C. is is a white collar town. The average house in Cleveland is a uh, hundred and forty or sixty thousand dollars. In you know Maryland, it's you know three times that. So. 
it's a to totally different mentality and we had to learn from that. Interesting. You know, one of the toughest things that I find in the replacement contractor space, let's say, is the owner getting away from running leads. And instead of like they're running leads, instead of hiring people, building a, like you said, a process and a team, how do you, how does somebody, or I guess I should say, what is your advice to somebody that when it comes to sales, when it comes to running sales, because you said six months, you guys ran leads for six months. That's a really short time. I mean, I, I, I have clients that have been in business for 20 years and they're still running leads. Well, we didn't, what I was saying is we didn't have reps for the first six months. My brother probably ran leads for the first, you know, three, four years, but um, it wasn't until we, we, we really developed the reps and knew that they were able to sell under any situation. What does it take to get to that point where you can bring on reps and you can be confident that they're not going to, I mean, somewhat confident that they're not going to burn through your very expensive leads? Making sure they understand their mistakes. You know, so when they, when they go out, they don't make a sale, you rehash the situation with them. And, and the next time that when that situation occurs, they're able to tackle that situation and that they understand the value of the lead. A lot of people don't tell their sales reps, these leads cost 500 That lead was $1,000. If that was $1,000, you know, what would you have done differently if that was your money? You know, putting, their, putting it in their perspective so they understand that this, this is not, we're giving them good qualified leads. And there's value to that. There's, that, that costs money. And they need to understand that. You know, sales reps, it's kind of like when you buy a house. You know, I could save up and buy a house and you know, maybe I'd be able to afford a house that was, I don't know, 200 grand. But if I get a loan, I can maybe afford a house on a payment that's, you know, seven, you know, six or seven hundred thousand dollars. It's leverage. You're, you're basically utilizing sales reps to leverage your your bottom line. If I had five of me out there running the street or or I had, you know, three of me and two guys that were, you know, half as productive, you know, they're basically income drivers and you're leveraging the company's ability to profit at a much higher level. It's okay for people to you know run leads themselves and that's their business. It it just means that you know if something happens to them, the business goes down. It also means that it's hard to take vacations. It also means that it's hard to grow and you're stuck in a in a certain income band because you're running all the leads and, and nobody else is there to back you up. Yeah, and for some people, I guess to some degree they like that. But I think a lot of people also they want to break out of it and they're just not sure, you know, how they do it. And they're afraid. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I think they're afraid. They're afraid that if they give up their leads and they give them to somebody else, that they're going to make a whole lot less money, which may be the case at first. What's well, an investment, Brian? You, you got to spend money. You got to assume that in the first six months, or you know, you're going to spend money, spend money based on leads that you know that you normally might sell that they can't. Uh, spend money training. Spend money knowing that these reps are not going to last. There's a high turnover. You have to budget that. You know, I, I own a restaurant and, you know, basically you don't open the doors day one and say everybody's working really well and it's a well-oiled machine. You have to do a soft opening. You're giving away a lot of food. They're making a lot of mistakes. We budget that as, a, as an expense when we're opening that restaurant, right? We know that $20,000 in food is going to be basically given away, thrown away, you know, whatever. And it's the same thing when you're hiring sales reps. You have to budget. And you have to account for that you're going to have an expense 
it's going to last so long and you need to understand that that's the cost of doing business it's an investment just like you would invest in a piece of equipment wow that's great so a lot of the i would imagine that a lot of the people listening are probably not quite at you know your size of of business i mean you guys are i think in the top i'm definitely in the top 10 maybe now in the top 5 of replacement contractors in the united states what are what is some advice that you would give to somebody who's maybe doing a million dollars a year or a couple million dollars a year but really wants to break out and go to that next level and wants to get to 3 million 4 million 5 million you know the 10% net and you know have a really nice business what would be your advice to somebody like that set set goals and make them you know lofty like if you want to do 2 million next year um, first of all, you know, why, why did you come up with that number? Does it sound good? Um, and, and really plan out more than just a year. Plan out a year, three years, five years, and then put a plan on paper on how you're going to get there. It's it's a numbers game. You need so many leads, which means you know you need so many sales. Like, if you're going to want to be at three million, you're going to have to make a larger investment, not only in advertising but in people. And it's important to map that out. It's easy to say, you know, I want to bat 400, or I. You know, I want to get an A or in this in this class, or I want to do $3 million. But you have to have substance behind it. And a plan that's well thought out uh, is very important because it's not just about spending money in advertising. It's about bringing the right people on. It's about capacity concerns. You know, those are, you know, you can sell the business, but if you can't install it, that, that's a problem too. So you really need to plan out all of those aspects. But, you know, putting goals in place and not just for one year, but three and five years, I would say is equally important. You know, you said something. I forgot if it was two million or three million. doesn't matter. You said, how did you come up with that number? How did you come up with the number like the, of the example in the question that I gave you was, you know, somebody wants to get to three million or four million. Um, how did you come up with that number? That's a really great question. Because that's really kind of the why of why you're in business, isn't it? Isn't that kind of what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, is it just to make money? Is it to grow a successful business? Is it to build it for your, you know, for your your, your kids? Is it to uh, is it a hobby? But yeah, I mean, you know, going from two million to three million, that's a fifty percent increase. Uh, you know, you, you have to really think about what's realistic, but also push yourself and know that hitting goals and, and sometimes goals you're not going to hit them but you'll come a lot closer if you have a goal and if you just kind of go out there without a plan we we have goals every month i mean in our organization we give goals and we show them how we got to those goals we don't say our goal this month is whatever million dollars um we say this is our goal this is what we need to get to that goal this is what we need you to do to get to that goal this is a team effort and each department has to do their own thing and we tell them exactly this is what you need to do in order to hit those numbers. And then we, we, every week we update those. Every week we go through and say, this is where we are, this is what we're pacing, this is what we're expecting to do. That's awesome, but you know, it gets everybody on the same page and, and um, they know exactly what they, they need to do. I think in a lot of companies, that's all very vague, right? It's like, well, we don't know what the goal is this month. We don't know how much we need to do to even make money. We don't know how, you know, what the owners are thinking. That's really important. 
Yeah, a lot of places, you know, even us years ago, is was, you know, we're spending a lot of money and we're gonna hopefully get a lot of leads and we're gonna hopefully make a lot of sales. But we're different here. We say this is exactly what our goal is by market, and we show exactly how many sales we expect, how many leads we need. You know, there's a lot of KPIs, key performance indicators, and it's really important to keep your eye on those four or five specific variables to make sure that you're pacing. And if you're not, why aren't you? Is it the leads? Is it the closing rate? Is it the average sale price? You know, is it the lead generation? So Harley, let me let me ask you, what what drives you? What drives me is being successful and, and really being the best and making sure that, you know, we beat our goals, that we do things differently with the hopes of getting the a more optimal result. But not not about the money, because at some point, I, I, you know, you're making enough money. I mean, anybody that's making more than 250 is probably making more than they need to live on, right? <laughs> sure, there's goals. People set goals. I want to make this much so I can buy this car, or go on this vacation, or buy this watch. But in the and you know, when it comes down to it, you know, we're making a lot more than most people. I mean, if you're making over 100 grand, I mean, you're making a lot more than 95% of America. So it's not about the money. See, that's interesting because a lot of people, you know. Well, initially it is. Initially <laughs> it is I need to make money. I mean, initially it's like I have to make money if I don't have money in the bank. Yeah. Um, to, to be, you know, we started when we didn't have a family, which was important because, you know, we can make sacrifices that we may not be able to make today. But eventually it doesn't become about the money anymore. It becomes about two things, which is, you know, um, Freedom, meaning I'm content making X, so I'm going to, you know, I value my time, vacation time or whatever it is more than making more money. Um, or it's about just being as successful as possible and, and making other people wealthy too. I mean, let's face it, at our company, you know, we, we like when people get big bonuses and we, we incentivize our people so they go the extra step and they can get rewarded too and they feel like they're part of the success as well. Yeah, that's great. I hear that a lot, by the way, in very, you know, larger, very successful companies. In most cases, the owner, you know, contrary to what the general public believes, the owner is, is also not only in it for themselves, but they're really also in it to help their people grow and help their people become wealthy as well. So that's, that's great to hear and reinforced by you. Well, I know you know we're running up against the clock here, and I really appreciate you taking the time to to be with us. I think you know you're one of the smartest guys in this business. You're you're one of the guys I I, I look up to the most, and I'm fortunate that you know you're a client of G4, so I get to spend time with you. I'm making you rich, right? You're helping. See, it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for everybody. Well, I guess my goal in life is my goal in life is two things: to make you money and to, and to figure out how to properly pronounce your last name. Yeah. Well, good. You're. Uh, I think you're succeeding on on uh, on both, but let's keep working at it for gotcha. a for a long time. Um. Well, look. I again, I really appreciate you you being with us. I think that um, you know one thing I wanted to ask you before I before I let you go. One thing I wanted to ask you: Is there any books or audios or seminars or anything like that that you that inspire you or that you go to 
you know, are there any great books or great, you know, mentors, dead or alive? Well, you know, there, I don't read a lot of books, um, quite frankly, but, you know, there, there's a couple of books that out there that I've, I've read a couple of times. Um, one of them, which was recommended to us by a, um, a coach of ours, Why Break, uh, it was called First Break All the Rules. That, that's a helpful book. It's more of like an informative book on what makes companies great, and it's based on a Gallup poll. A couple other books that, that come to mind our uh, checklist manifesto it's about uh, kind of what it sounds like but it's it's a, a doctor wrote the book about you know how checklists are, are, are so important and how they can solve a lot of problems it I'm simplifying it but yeah you know I'm not, not a huge book reader I'm more of a visual person and uh, or, or I'll listen to an audio but books not, not huge into the book department uh, tend, I tend to read like maybe half a book yeah. Or, uh, you know, stuff like that, but not, not huge into the books. Okay, Harley, uh, thank you very much. I, uh, as always, wish you uh, continued success in your business. And uh, for everybody listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think it was filled with, with tons of value. This is definitely one to go back and listen to again. Uh, thank you, Harley. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com or just call us at 305 305- 856-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business, and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally, we started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, the Wealthy Contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group.